Welcome to worship at Edmonds United Methodist Church. No matter where you are on life's journey, no matter what you believe or doubt, no matter how much or how little you have, no matter your race, gender, or immigration status, and no matter whom you love, you are beloved, belong, and are welcome. We say these words every Sunday to remind ourselves that even though the world sometimes places limits on belovedness or worth, God doesn't. So friends, welcome. Good morning, and welcome to the fourth Sunday in Advent. It's fabulous to see you all here this morning to get the full seasonal experience, right? And uh, it's great to be together as well as worshiping with those who are worshiping from afar with us today. My name is Donna Pritchard. I am the pastor appointed to serve this church. This is Laura Ballard. She's our scripture reader for today. And this... I'm Lori Napa, and I will be your liturgist for the morning. Good to see you all. And let's take a moment to welcome those who are worshiping online with us. Welcome, friends. We're glad you're here. And now, my friends, if you would rise in body or spirit for the call to worship. God of birth, God of light, in these moments of worship, awaken us in the awe of Christmas. As we hear again the story of a young woman and a surprising visitor, remind us that we are called to respond to you in unexpected ways. As we tremble on the edge of great joy, Help us to sing praises for all who say yes to your new life, even ourselves. For we gather in the name of Christ to worship, to praise, to live in wonder and awe. Alleluia. Amen. For a young woman who said yes. And now, my friends, living together on the ancestral lands of the Coast Salish peoples, we want to begin worship by reconciling our hearts and minds to God and one another through the passing of the peace. You may share signs of peace with whatever forms are most comfortable for you and your partner. May the peace of Christ be with you all. And also with you.
Let your light shine. Let your spirit soar. Throw open your mind. Hand over your heart. Here it comes, love. It shines in the darkness. It sings in the shadows. It will not cower, and it cannot be contained. It was the hope of the saints, the call of the prophets. It was the fire in the belly of the Baptist and the courage of the Mother Mary. Lamp in the window, beacon in the hill, star in the night sky. Love, you lead us home. On this fourth Sunday of Advent, we light a candle for love. We light a candle for love. May it light the way. Come on up. Youth, feel free to join. All right. Beautiful, beautiful. Good morning. That was a fun little song. Did you all recognize that? Sometimes we sing that in the back. Jesus loves me. We'll practice it some more. Okay, so good morning. We have been talking about waiting and preparation. And this morning is a very special day. I'm guessing you know why, but there's a little part of the story you might not really have paid attention to. So that's part of what we're going to talk about. I'm wondering if you could show me on your face what the word perplexed means, what sort of face would you make? You can show me on your face. This is a very good one. I wish you, yes, turn if you feel so inclined, yeah. <laughs> perplexed. Should we ask the adults to do the same? Does somebody want to ask? I kind of want to do it. Yes, please, make the face of perplexion, a perplexed face. What do you see? Oh. Are there other words you think we could use when we say the word perplexed? Like, is there a synonym for it? What do you think it means to be perplexed? Patient. Patience. Good thinking. Anybody else have ideas? Perplexed? So in one of the translations of the Christmas story, the, ga the angel Gabriel comes down and it says, Mary was perplexed. Now, I feel like this is a very hopeful message because even when a miracle is coming to earth, we might be perplexed about it. Like our faces might be like, what? Like it might be a little bit confusing, right? So that's what we're gonna talk about today. The miracle that in all of our humanity, when something doesn't make sense and when God shows up, God will still use us even when, if we think, what are you doing, God? What a miracle. So let's say a prayer. Dear God, thank you for loving us. 
exactly as we are. Amen. As always, I wanted to give a brief word of introduction to the scripture which Laura will read for us this morning. It comes from the Gospel according to Luke, the very first chapter, which is the Nativity chapter in Luke. And this morning we read a very familiar bit of scripture. It's the story of what we call the Annunciation that is the announcement of God's plans which the angel Gabriel brings to Mary. Now in the original Greek, that word angel simply means one who comes with a message. And Luke's gospel is distinct in its insistence that these messages 
don't just come to extraordinarily holy or righteous or capable people. Luke wants us to understand that God continually invites ordinary people to do extraordinary things. This is a very short account, what we'll hear read, of a life-changing, ongoing encounter. And all we are given here is a few sketchy details. We have the angel greeting Mary and calling her favored. And then the plan is laid out for God's miraculous conception. And Mary expresses her doubts, understandably. So then the angel lays out a few more details. And then Mary consents to the plan and the angel leaves. Seems to me like there might have been a few other steps in there. You know, history often describes Mary's yes as one of weak and meek passivity. However, this kind of surrender could not have come from weakness, but from a daring grace within Mary and a stunning grace, which later shows up to sustain her. It is the kind of grace which sustains us every time that we have the courage to say yes to God's extraordinary calling. Let's listen now as Laura reads the scripture for us. Good morning, church. My name is Laura Ballard. I'm delighted to be reading this morning's scripture, which as Donna said, it's from the gospel according to Luke, chapter one, verses 26 through 38 in the Common English Bible version. Please rise in whatever ways are meaningful for you for the reading of the scripture. When Elizabeth was six months pregnant, God sent the angel Gabriel to Nazareth, a city in Galilee, to a virgin who was engaged to a man named Joseph, a descendant of David's house. The virgin's name was Mary. When the angel came to her, he said, Rejoice, favored one, the Lord is with you. She was confused by these words and wondered what kind of greeting this might be. The angel said, Don't be afraid, Mary. God is honoring you. Look, you will conceive and give birth to a son, and you will name him Jesus. He will be great, and he will be called the Son of the Most High. The Lord God will give him the throne of David, his father. He will rule over Jacob's house forever, and there will be no end to his kingdom. Then Mary said to the angel, <clears throat> how will this happen? since I haven't had sexual relations with a man. The angel replied, the Holy Spirit will come over you and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. Therefore, the one who is to be born will be holy. He will be called God's son. Even in her old age, your relative Elizabeth has conceived a son. This woman who is labeled unable to conceive is now six months pregnant. Nothing is impossible for God. Then Mary said, I am the Lord's servant. Let it be with me, just as you have said. Then the angel left her. For the word of God in scripture, for the word of God among us, for the word of God within us. Thanks, Thanks be, be to, to God. God. Please join in, this, in singing the hymn of preparation.
be seated. Grace and peace to you from God and from Jesus Christ, who comes to us this night. Well, welcome to the fourth Sunday of Advent. Christmas is literally right around the corner. Christmas Eve is tonight. So why don't we just get right to it with this classic Christmas song. Mr. Grinch, you really are a heel. You're as cuddly as a cactus, you're as charming as an eel, Mr. Grinch. You're a bad banana with a greasy black peel. You're a monster. Mr. Grinch, your heart's an empty hole. Your brain is full of spiders. You've got garlic in your soul, Mr. Grinch. I wouldn't touch you with a 39 and a half foot pole. You're a vile one, Mr. Grinch. You have termites in your smile You have all the tender sweetness of a seasick crocodile, Mr. Grinch Given the choice between the two of you, I'd take the seasick crocodile You're a foul one, Mr. Grinch you're a nasty, wasty skunk Your heart is full of unwashed socks Your soul is full of gunk, Mr. Grinch The three words that best describe you are as follows And I quote Stink, stank, stunk well, this is hardly a song of great joy coming to all people. It does not extol angels watching over flocks by night or tell us to deck the halls for a jolly season. It doesn't even sing about a baby keeping company with oxen or starlight guiding the wisest ones among us. No, <clears throat> this is a song about corruption and greed and missing the whole point of Christmas. You remember the story of how the Grinch stole Christmas. The Grinch lives alone in a cave high above Whoville, and he seems to be averse to any disruption, any noise, especially joyous noises that drift up to him. So Christmas, and all the merrymaking that goes along with it, is particularly annoying to the Grinch. In fact, he hates it. So he hatches a plan. He will just sneak into Whoville, disguised as Santa Claus, forcing his poor little dog, Max, to wear fake antlers and pull a sleigh. Once there, he will systematically steal all the presents and the tinsel, the food and the drink, even the tree itself, in order to prevent Christmas from coming at all. He is a mean one, that Mr. Grinch. Or maybe he is simply a fearful one. Who knows what trauma he has endured? what disappointments he has experienced, what brokenness he carries to make him so afraid of joy, so troubled by love, so terrified of Christmas. Well, there is the Grinch who comes to us courtesy of Dr. Seuss, and then there's Mary who comes to us from the Gospel of Luke this morning and who seems to be the antithesis. 
Where the Grinch is greedy, corrupt, and fearful, Mary is portrayed as humble, loving, and fearless. Do not be afraid. Read Luke 1, and that phrase just jumps out at you, even if you've read it a thousand times before. You see, Luke uses this phrase three times in the first two chapters of this gospel, each time coming from the angel Gabriel, and then later coming from other angels speaking to shepherds. Do not be afraid. It functions as a kind of thesis statement for the story that follows. The birth of Jesus, the life of Jesus, the death and resurrection of Jesus. Wouldn't it be great if God would send the angel Gabriel to us, would come to change our lives, if only in our dreams? Yet maybe we don't need the angelic visitor. Maybe today, maybe especially today, we could listen anew to God's greeting, do not be afraid. Theologian Parker Palmer suggests, when God tells us do not be afraid, that does not mean we cannot have any fear. Everyone has fear. But do not be afraid says we should not be the fear we have. Yes, there are places of fear inside of us. We may well fear the marathon of Christmas services, for instance, (laughs) or the challenge of Christmas visitors, or the giant expectations of Christmas joy. We all have places of fear inside us, but we have other places there as well, places with names like trust and hope and faith. We can choose to live from one of those places, to stand on ground that is not riddled with the fault lines of fear, We can choose to move toward others from a place of promise instead of anxiety. I think Palmer may be getting close to discovering the Grinch's real problem. He has chosen to live from the place of fear inside himself and has forgotten those other places the ones like trust and hope and faith. It isn't until Christmas morning when the Grinch wakes to hear the singing of all the Who's down in Whoville. Poo-poo to the Who's, he was Grinchly humming. They're finding out now that no Christmas is coming. They're just waking up. I know just what they'll do. Their mouths will hang open a minute or two. Then the Who's down in Whoville will all cry, Boo-hoo. That's a noise, grinned the Grinch, that I simply must hear. He paused, and the Grinch put a hand to his ear. And he did hear a sound rising over the snow. It started in low, then it started to grow. This sound wasn't sad. What? This sound sounded glad. 
Every who down in Whoville, the tall and the small, was singing without any presence at all. He hadn't stopped Christmas from coming. It came. Somehow or other, it came just the same. And the Grinch, with his Grinch feet, ice cold in the snow, stood puzzling and puzzling. How could it be so? It came without ribbons. It came without tags. It came without packages, boxes, or bags. He puzzled and puzzed till his puzzle was sore. Then the Grinch thought of something he hadn't before. Maybe Christmas, he thought, doesn't come from a store. Maybe Christmas, perhaps, means a little bit more. Well, finally, the Grinch understands that Christmas doesn't come in a box. It encompasses so much more than all of our most precious presents, our most extravagant decorations, our fanciest feasts. Because Christmas encompasses God's love for each of us and is finally what enables us to join Mary, moving out of our fear to say, yes, God, so be it. Welcome Christmas. Welcome God. Amen. As we come before God in a time of prayer, I would invite you to take a look in the bulletin at the prayer list there. We'll take a few moments in silence to allow you to lift these persons and situations to God, as well as those closest to your own hearts this day. Let us pray.
O Holy One, you are the God from whom no secret is hidden. And so we tell before you our great fears. We have fear up to our ears from violence in our hearts and war in too much of the world. We have fear for the fragility of our economy and our place in it. We have fear for the threats our democracy faces. We have fear for the safety of immigrants in need of refuge among us. We have fear for those who go to bed hungry and wake up empty of hope. We have fear that causes us loss of sleep, that skews our vision and distorts our judgment. Our fear is contagious. It passes among us, it flows from issue to issue, it evokes our worst selves and summons us to shriveled, demeaned, and demeaning lives. But then you, you enter in as perfect love. You remind us that we do not have to be our fear. O perfect love, cast out all fear. Cast out all parsimony, that we may become generous in self-giving, that we may gladly risk more and more of who we are, like Mary. O perfect love, cast out our fear and our anger, that we may become more forgiving that we may more readily transform circumstances of threat into venues for shared well-being. O perfect love, cast out our guarded isolation, that we may be more welcoming of the other in our midst, more accepting of those unlike us. O perfect love, we turn to you so that we are not eaten alive by our fear. In your presence, we move toward fearlessness. Let us be fearless in our generosity, fearless in our forgiveness, fearless in our hospitality. Let us put ourselves down in your deep embrace that holds us closely along with all those whom you love. For we pray in the fierceless name of Jesus, the prayer which he taught. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as in heaven. Give us today our daily bread. Forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who sin against us. Save us from the time of trial and deliver us from evil. For the kingdom, the power, and the glory are yours, now and forever. Amen. As we are surrounded by the season of giving, may we deeply spiritually enter this time of giving. If you're in the sanctuary, the offering plates will be passed. And if you're at home, you may give in two ways, either online at edmundsumc.org forward slash give, or you can mail your offering to 828 Caspers Street, Edmonds, Washington, 98020. May we all give generously as God has been generous to us. Thank you.
Oh God, you have showered us with generosity, with grace, and with love. We pray now that you may take these gifts and multiply them in a way that you know best. We ask that you use them for those that need them most. Thank you, God, for all you do. Amen. Please be seated. Well, unlike recent weeks, this will be short and sweet. I uh, just want to remind you that tonight there are three more opportunities to worship together. I know you're going to want to come to all of them. Don't want to miss a single moment. Uh, five o'clock, the children's pageant will be presented. And then at seven o'clock and again at nine o'clock, join us for lessons and carols, candlelight and carols, and uh, the choir and some strings and just a beautiful experience of God with us. And so now, without further ado, let us join together in the closing participation event, not simply something we watch, but something we receive and participate in, the benediction this morning is likewise one you are invited to participate in. Maestro, take it away. 